the fifth player on my team, P. Willie. That's right, Patrick Williams, the next Jonathan Isaac. This man is six foot and four Cheetos tall. He isn't fast. He's not the greatest shooter of all time. Can we talk about Can 40 we talk about minutes bickering about Patrick this Williams? They come for. This is what they want to hear. No, no one comes to listen about Patrick Williams, dude. We're going to the moon in that train. We need a co-pilot. That Patrick train's about Williams. to take off the tracks, and that's what you know what? I, I'm on it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 28 of the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. My name is Vince, and I am joined here by Mike, Matt, and Giuseppe. And today we are bringing you a few different segments in the pod. We're going to start off by discussing some of the current news in the NBA. There's been a trade that was actually, as of this recording, just announced. In addition to a couple of injuries and other COVID-related things we wanted to discuss, we're going to go over a recap of this past week in the fantasy season, and then go into a little bit some of our predictions for this upcoming week. One thing I'm going to touch on briefly that I don't think we're going to talk about in the podcast today my favorite current news of this past week is that Mike traded his entire fantasy team away and got about nine new players for his team. So it's an exciting time in our league. We're hoping that your leagues are also exciting at this point in the year and that the big league bending trades are starting to happen. But the first real news segment we're going to talk about here is Derek Rose. We are recording this episode right before the Super Bowl. And as of about 20 minutes ago, Derek Rose of our hometown Detroit Pistons was traded over to the Knicks in exchange for Dennis Smith Jr., and a 2021 second round pick. So we're going to talk about that real quick and then go into a couple of our current news things. So let's get into it. I kind of want to talk about how Dennis Smith requested to go play on the G League team, and he basically got his wish to be able to play with the Pistons. Uh, Hopefully he'll get some minutes. I think he deserves an opportunity. He's kind of been taking the backseat wherever he's been, and with the Mavs, he wasn't really given an opportunity before being traded. So I think the Pistons are the perfect team for him to restart, just like Josh Jackson and Jeremy Grant did, just a change of scenery. So he's got a one-year trial with the Pistons, and he could really bring up a stock for the following year. So that's someone to look out for in fantasy. Definitely not Ed Kennedy at this point, unless you're in a dynasty league and you want to stash him. I really, really like this for the Pistons. I really think this goes into their plan of picking up all of the, uh, the rejects of the league and seeing who pans out. Yeah, I've loved Dennis Smith Jr. as a candidate ever since NBA 2K. I don't remember which year, but multiple years ago. And I know Giuseppe's going to get upset with his memory. But when he, you know, like those like auto-generated draft classes for these players, there was one that had Dennis Smith Jr. who had like 50 badges. And he was like a 90 overall by like season three. And I gave Giuseppe the absolute boop-bop with that guy. And I've been a fan of his ever since. But I do think it is funny how the Knicks basically... They basically did a 2009 Timberwolves in the sense that they had a point guard and then he didn't pan out with Frank Nittokina. So they went with the next pick point guard. They traded for him. And it's basically like when the Timberwolves drafted Ricky Rubio and then Johnny Flynn with the fifth and sixth pick when Steph Curry was seventh. And that's basically the Timberwolves taking Frank Nittokina and then trading for Dennis Smith Jr. When you had guys like Donovan Mitchell and Bam Adebayo that were three or four picks later that they just didn't want. Anyways, yeah, that's my take on Dennis Smith Jr. I think that this trade will help the Pistons in the sense that it'll help them tank because I love DSJ, but he's not better than Derrick Rose. And the Knicks looks like they're trying to make a playoff push. Looks like they're trying to maybe convince Julius Candle to stay on the team. And it looks like them getting Derrick Rose is kind of, you know, low price. They really just gave up a player that was their third string point guard. In addition to a second round pick, they get a chance to compete for, I guess the eighth seed this year. In fantasy, how do you think that affects players like Alfred Payton and Emmanuel Quickly? 
because both those players right now are not doing anything phenomenal, but they are a good fantasy option and have potential to be a great role player in your team. But adding Derrick Rose, how much do you think it will affect those guys? I'm not sure how much it will affect both of them in general. Uh, I know one of them will take the hit. I don't know which of the two it will be. Me personally, I have Emmanuel quickly on my team. I kind of predicted that this trade was going to happen. I was hoping that it didn't go through right now because I've been trying to ship out Emmanuel quickly in fantasy for anything that I can get. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's Derek Rose is going to slot at the starting point guard. So it's going to be Alfred Payton or Emmanuel quickly who's going to get those bench minutes. And the other one's going to be requesting to go to the G League or might as well because they're not going to get any minutes in the, on that team because Thibodeau likes to play his starters 40 minutes a game. You don't see Derrick Rose taking up a six-man role in the Knicks, kind of leading the second unit with maybe a guy like, well, basically either of them being one of the starting point guards and then the other one kind of sliding over into that backup shooting guard role? Uh, I don't think either of them are good enough spot-up shooters to do that. I think definitely Alfred Payton won't slot into that role if Derrick Rose goes to like the six-man facilitating the second unit. But there's only so much ball that can go around on that team like on offense. And Julius Randle is the center point. So unless Julius Randle's taking a hit, I think that Emmanuel quickly or Oliver Payton will find themselves on waivers in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I think that one or both of them finds a way in waivers. I, I kind of see the roster shaking out in a way that they put Alfred Payton as that starting point guard slot and then slide quickly over to kind of a second ball handling two guard off the bench with Derek Rose. But I'm not sure. It'll be interesting how it checks out. At least you're right. At least one of them is going to be no longer fantasy relevant. It's just we'll see which one. I must say, I mean, maybe in Dynasty, maybe Emmanuel quickly you can get a little bit more of a discount than you would have if you try and trade for him and stash him. I think he is a solid player. I don't think he's anything special, but good fantasy-wise. You guys want to talk about KD and about his... Yeah, I was going to say we're on the New York teams. You might as well go into free KD. Go ahead, Joseph. Nah, it's just tough having KD on your team. You're relying on him so much, especially he's playing very well this season. So he's a big part of my team, and it's disappointing to see him for the second time this season caught in a COVID protocol where he's going to have to miss a week of games. So it's frustrating, but this is the NBA that we're in right right now, and the, they're trying their best to deal with this pandemic as everyone else is. So it's stuff that you have to deal with. But as a fantasy owner, you have to be able to be flexible and have some backup players or some players you could put in in the time being. So do you guys have any potential replacements for KD even on the Nets or not even on the Nets? I actually, real quick, I wanted to mention this, and then we can kind of go into that. I did want to mention, guys, in the description below, you will find an outline of all the things that we talk about in this episode. So if you find it difficult to follow along, or you just want to, you know, you're confused why we just started talking about Kevin Durant, our our episode outline will be in the description below, so you can kind of follow along with what we're talking about here. But yeah, I guess we can talk about some, like, players you can pick up to replace KD down in our pickups below, like when we get into that that segment of the episode. So we can talk about that as well. I also want to pose the question of, do you guys think that the Nets should be allowed to play right now knowing that they have a player that is not allowed to play? Do you think it should be like all or nothing? Or like how do we feel about the decision the NBA just made? I mean, I think it should be one or the other. It's either KD's playing or none of them are playing. KD's ex- been exposed to the entire team. They practice together. They share the same locker room. So if he's been exposed to someone with an inconclusive test and they pulled him from the game, if that's the mentality they're going to go with, they should have stopped the game. Because at that point, he'd already he's been sweating all over everybody. On the other team, too. So, I, I don't know. I don't know how they need to handle it, but... Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, especially the fact that he played 20 minutes. Like, if he had something, it's likely that at least somebody else is getting it. So, not only should the Nets, I think, have had some sort of repercussions in terms of missing the game, but 
I don't remember exactly where they were playing, but they should also – I'm sure they were tested. Maybe they all tested negative, and that's why they didn't cancel anything. But it was just – it was a weird situation and definitely one that we haven't seen before, one that I hope we don't see again. It was Kevin Durant's first time in his career coming off the bench. I told you guys that he would be worse after the Achilles tear, and you could already see him coming off the bench. So next step, they're going to put Timote Lowe Cavaro permanently in that position. But, yeah, no, it's – I really hope there's something that doesn't happen again because it's not only unpredictable for fantasy, but it's just a bad look for the league, I think. I just want to mention, like, in your leagues, there's this is not the first thing that's going to happen related to COVID. There was teams in our league that were affected by late postponements and unable to play players, and it's a really unfortunate situation, but I think you just have to work through it with your league mates and see if you could find it, like, find a common ground and say, hey, this is kind of the way we're going to go about it because – if you don't, it can cause a lot of problems with like inconsistencies and stuff. So that's something, if you're a commissioner, something that you have to deal with and something you kind of have to talk about with your league mates. For example, in our redraft league, we added another IR spot for COVID, specifically for COVID reasons. So you're able to put him on your IR and also someone who's injured. And kind of on that, on the, the topic of flexibility, I want to touch on a couple of our injured players here, if you guys want to go on to those. So we had actually quite a few injuries, unfortunately, in the NBA this past week, just to kind of list off a couple of the more significant ones fantasy-wise. Christian Wood is probably the headliner of that. He tweaked his ankle. Larry Nance Jr., Marcus Smart, LaMarcus Aldridge, Aaron Gordon, OG Ananobi, and DeAndre Hunter, all they're going to miss times. Those are all significant players on their teams. There are a lot of players that were big pickups earlier in the season for us. So if you look at guys like DeAndre Hunter and Larry Nance, were guys that we were telling you to pick up. And so... We can kind of touch on a couple of players we think might improve a lot just from those injuries specifically, and then we'll probably talk more about that as we go into our pickups a little later in the episode. But what do you guys think about those injuries? Obviously, it's unfortunate, but do you think there's any players that are going to like shoot up in value as a result of them? For the Christian Wood injury, I think it's worth noting that DeMarcus Cousins will now be starting and also playing with John Wall. They have a really good chemistry together, so he's obviously worth an add. I also just want to put a note out there there. I wouldn't expect... DeMarcus Cousins of three years ago, you know, he's, he's a different player now. He can still have big games, but, like, don't expect DeMarcus Cousins when he was averaging a double-double, like, and 25 points. He might get seven rebounds and 15 points with two threes. Like, those are the set lines you're expecting from DeMarcus Cousins at this point in his career. And was obviously worth a roster spot just because of the potential he can have. It's just kind of lower your expectations on what you're looking for for DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, I... I think that the one game we saw was enough. I mean, yesterday he had 12 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks and a steal. No, you can't expect 20-plus points, but I think you can expect a double-double from him every night, or he'd be flirting with one every single night. So I definitely think he's a worthwhile add. If you have, if you need a center, if you're in my situation and you have one. If you're in my situation and you have six, you probably don't want to add him. You're probably actually looking at a guy like one of the guys who's on our pickup list. You're probably looking at a guy like Eric Gordon, who has slotted into – I don't know if he's signed in the starting lineup, but he's getting a lot more minutes now. He's put up three straight 20-point games or somewhere around 20-point games, and his value will go up just by simple virtue of there just being more shots available. Kind of like we talked about with James Harden. Even though a player might not be in the exact same position as that last guy, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be more opportunities just because there's more of the ball to go around. So I think Eric Gordon's another guy who is going to be a, a solid potential add for this upcoming week. What about Larry Nance? I know you talked a little bit about Jared Allen and him playing a big man lineup with Andre Drummond? How do you think that affects some Cavs players in the future? The Yeah, the Larry Nance one's a unique example because I still don't know how much of that team Larry Nance actually took up. So I imagine that they're going to trade at least one of Kevin Love and Andre Drummond like before the 
trade deadline this season. So with that in mind, Jared Allen is still a buy low candidate for me. With Larry Nance out, it just gives you an even better opportunity to benefit from that early on. Just keep that in mind. Like there are players that will get opportunities when the trades come. So let's say like the Pistons trading away Wayne Ellington gives another opportunity to Josh Jackson, but I wouldn't really necessarily stash him at this point because he just doesn't do enough in a redraft league. Of the players listed here, just to kind of relist them, Christian Wood, Larry Nance, Marcus Smart, Aldridge, Aaron Gordon, OGN Nobi, DeAndre Hunter. Obviously, whenever there's an injury, there's a big drop rate in fantasy. Are there any of these guys, if you're a solid team, not like a team that has a poor record, but just like a solid maybe 3-3 three and three or 4-3 and three team right now, are any of these guys that you're dropping? Well, you're saying if we're a good team, are there, is, there anyone that we're, is there any of those players we're going to drop? Yeah, I'm saying because obviously it's different. You know, if you're one and five, you're going to drop a player more likely if he's injured than if you're five and one. I'm saying if you're a solid team right now, you know, you're right on the playoff fringe. Are there any of these players that you are stashing? Stashing as in I'm putting them on my IR or, or I'm going to try and trade for them and stash them on my bench? St- assuming your IR spots are taken up, stash them on your bench. I, I wouldn't drop any of these players, even if I was an even team. Larry Nance, maybe. I would drop Larry Nance. I would drop DeAndre Hunter. OG, potentially. Because I just feel like OG's stats could be supplemented with a like a waiver pickup. You know, he does it more efficiently than them, so you're obviously going to be hurt, and he's more consistent. But with that being said, it's not worth holding onto your bench for multiple weeks where you can pick up two, three, four different guys in a matchup and easily supplement those those points, those threes, those steals, and even get other stats that you need for that week to win. OG, I think, is only out for a couple more weeks. So I'm probably not dropping him as we currently know the information. I think the only guy here that I would drop is DeAndre Hunter for the simple virtue of the fact that a couple of players have stepped up into his role since he's been out, namely Danilo Gallinari, Kevin Hurd has been getting more minutes and more opportunities, things like that. I'm probably dropping Hunter, but the other ones I'm probably keeping on my team. All right, these recap guys, we can kind of go in no particular order here. I know we've been going kind of in order based on our outline thus far, but I think I want to start off by talking about some of the ridiculous performances we saw this last week. Steph and and Nikola Jokic both had 50-point games this past Sunday night, which was excellent if you were a guy like me who was trying to win points in his matchup. We saw Fred Van Vliet, Giuseppe's love, go for, I think it was 54 the other day as well. Jokic had two 50-point performances. Nikola Vucevic had a great game. Kelly Oubre surprised basically everyone this side of the Mississippi with a 40-point explosion sometime in the middle of the week. And then Luka Doncic also went for 40-plus last night as well. So any of these stick out to you guys? Anything here that you think might be like a resurgence of a player or a indicator of things to come? First of all, when are the Magic going to trade Vucevic? Just let him go. Let him go to a good team. He deserves it. He's worked so hard for them, and they're always a mediocre team. He's such a good player. Just let him go to a good team. Free Vuce. Free Vuce. No, for real. I mean, have you seen the Celtics rumors, like how that would be a perfect fit if they were to give up a player like Kemba Walker and, you know, one of their other centers, Tristan Thompson? A big three of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Nikola Vucevic. Vucevic just pulled the Giuseppe. That's a championship team. I think that's a very good team. Oh, for sure. And he's able to stretch the floor, like just adding that another dimension to that Celtics team. Like he'd be perfect. I would go all in for Nikola Vucevic on the Celtics, like to be completely honest. I'm about to risk it all for Nikola Vucevic. Nikola Vucevic on the Celtics team is what Al Horford should have been. No, I totally agree. I, I, I'm ready to risk it all and trade for him in fantasy if we're being honest. 
I want him so bad, and I don't know how I'm going to be able to get him. Fred Van Vliet, the way he's playing right now, like, I've been dying to trade for him. He's such a good player. He's gets you those steals, those assists, those three-pointers, points. His percentages are average at best, but I wish I would have drafted him. We all have that one guy that we just want on our team because we like them. I was confused when I didn't see Freddie on either of your teams. But let's talk about Kelly Oubre because... Hold on, hold on. I got some, I got some stuff to say. You and, Maggie, you and Mike have been kissing back and forth. Yeah, I got some things to say. We're blowing We're kisses blowing. like Oubre. Yeah. <laughs> number one, Nikola Vucevic is not leaving the Magic because they seem to have quadrupled down on being a mediocre team for the next five years because I think these are good contracts, but they did just throw $150 million at Markel Fulton and Jonathan Isaac. They they want to keep this team. like They're they're trying to run it back. They just lost two players to season-ending injuries, which is why they look terrible, which is why we're saying free boost. I don't, he's not going anywhere. Like they're not. They don't look like they're ready to go into tank mode. They look like they're trying to retool and set up for maybe winning two playoff games this year. That being said, Fred Van Vliet. This man is six foot and four Cheetos tall. He isn't fast. He's not the greatest shooter of all time. I need to watch more Raptors games because I don't understand how this man continues to put up first round value with Isaiah Thomas level tools. I don't understand how Fred VanVleet is doing it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I don't I don't see where the physical tools are at. I know he's good. I know he's smart. But it's just I need to get more involved with this team, I guess. I guess you just didn't consider that he's a dog. I can't explain it either. But when you watch him, you know, like, he's a good player. Like, it's unorthodox almost. He shouldn't be making these shots. He shouldn't be. I don't even know how to explain it. I don't know what I saw on him, but something I saw on Gary Trent. That's a great transition point. Actually, wait, do you guys want to talk about Kelly Oubre? Because I, I, we do want to talk about Gary Trent as well because he's going off. So, like, Mike got Mikel Bridges chicken from underneath his, his grass. Matt also thought it would be funny to take Gary Trent from my grass. And I've been so upset about that. And, like, it's so hard knowing that if we don't talk about these things on the podcast, that I would have got Gary Trent for free. Like, no chance he would have been gone. Don't talk about these things on the podcast. You're worried about Gary Trent? Uh, yes. Have you seen him play? Yes, I understand, Gary. I'm I'm saying that coming out of your mouth, like, as if you didn't just, like, that's karma for stealing Mikael Bridges from me. I'm sorry. You said that statement, and I just was like, wow. This podcast (laughs) has ruined all of our takes. Like, every single one of it. Like, it's not ruined it, though. Like, that's the thing. You guys actually still let me get every player that I hyped up. That's I can't true. believe you guys let me get Bradley Beal. I can't believe you, simply for the fact that you know I'm going to talk him now for the next five years while he's on my dynasty team, I can't believe you let me get Bradley Beal just for that. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't up to me. I mean, it was up to me. If we're being we're honest, it was up side. to me. We're not all on the other side of the like draft board, so we weren't really going to reach on him. You know, I'm I not wasn't. Picking, I'm not picking him 10th overall. Just, I mean, we both traded up in the draft at different points to steal guys from Mike. I don't know why you're saying that that's not an option with Bradley Beal. Trading for a sixth and trading for a second-round pick is way different. I would literally have four players. Exactly. You have Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. I, I count four players on that team. Giuseppe has five players on his team. Giuseppe, who's your fifth player? Let's transition to the next guy on our list here. The fifth player on my team, P. Willie. That's right, Patrick Williams. The next Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac's going to try to be, aspire to be Patrick Williams when he comes back. Because the man is 19 years old. Yes, the, the defensive stance aren't necessarily translating every game, but he has spurts of it, and he's also a much better and much more efficient offensive player. And I'll stand by that. 
Yeah, he also looks like he should be hanging out with Papa Smurf. I, I'm t I don't want to hear this anymore. What's the beef with Papa Smurf? And what's the connection with Papa Smurf? I don't understand that analogy at all. Patrick Williams looks like a Smurf. What? Look at, his, look at his profile picture on ESPN. I don't know. That's the first thing I thought of when I looked at him. I, like, I get it. He's a good two-way player. There's no doubt. But putting him in Jonathan Isaac conversation, someone who averaged 1.6 steals and two and a half blocks in his third year in the, in the NBA, Patrick Williams is averaging not even a steal and not like half a block. And you're saying P. Willie. First off, it's P. Will. I'm not calling him P. Willie. I'll call him P. Will, but P. Willie's not happening. You can call him whatever you want when you have him on your dynasty team. And I'm going to call him P. Willie. You're just bringing him down with your words. I'm not, dude. I like Patrick Williams. I'm not a Patrick Williams hater. I feel like Vincent. No, I know. I know you're not a Patrick Williams hater. I just wish you believed. Without Mike's belief, it's still up in the air whether he's going to be a good player. But once Mike starts believing in him, that's when his stock's going to go up. The, like, that's why I'm trying to get you on the train. Because once Mike's on the train, we talk about him. He starts listening to the podcast. He's so happy. He starts getting four, five, six steals a game. Like, <laughs> it's, it's all uphill from there. I get I it. I'll be on the train. Uh, you know, you could be the conductor. I'll be the co-pilot. Whatever you want to call it on the train, that's fine. But Isaiah Roby's coming with me. That's fine. Uh, Him and Theo can come too. Mike, there are no co-pilots on a, on a train. That's a plane. Co-conductor? Yeah. And there's no co There's just one guy. How do you know? We're going to the, we're going to the moon. We're going to the moon in that train. We need a co-pilot. That Patrick train's about William. to take off the tracks, and that's what you know. What I, I'm on it. Patrick Williams and I are going to the moon. You know what? Let's bring the train analogy back. We are really off track here, Matt. You always bring us together at the end of the segments. I want you to bring us together here because we don't have time to go through the rest of the players in these lists. We talk about Patrick Williams for 45 minutes. Give us a brief little bit on the rest of the players on our recap list, and let's let's get into the next segment here. What do we say? Yeah, real quick, just to recap the rest of the, the last week here. LaMelo Ball is now a starter. Gary Trent Jr. and Thaddeus Young have been balling. Uh, Draymond Green had the weirdest stat line of all time, and Norman Powell has been trending up as well. Um, let's get into some predictions for next week here. Hey, uh, hold wait, on. I put some cute in here, and you, and you ignored them. Bro. You didn't man. like Storm and Norman, Norman Powell? Hey, man. Somebody's got to get us moving along here. It's been yeah, 40, 40 minutes bickering about Patrick this Williams. They come for this is what they want to hear. No, no one comes to listen about Patrick Williams, dude. I do. The thing is, no one came to come listen to Vlad Vliet. No one came to listen about Mikel Bridges. But those things happen. Like, this is why we have to talk about them. This Can we talk awful. about Draymond Green and Ubre for a second? Draymond sure. Green had 30, 30 assists in the last two games. Have you guys realized why or like watched the games? Because, because Steph gets tired when he's always running around screens with the ball in his hand, so they need to have other people set the picks for him while Draymond handles the ball so Steph can run around those quicker. He gets all of his assists to shooting players. But have you realized that without Wiseman, they've played in a much smaller lineup, which has given Ubre the flexibility or the capability to spread the floor more with Draymond Green's ability to pass? That's why there's correlation between Draymond Green playing center as their biggest man on the court. They're playing to him at the elbow, basically, and he's almost acting as a triple threat, even though he's not a very good shooter, but he's acting as a triple threat with his passing ability. But also those little cuts that they're producing with Draymond Green's ability to pass, he's also giving Ubre better shot opportunities. I mean, 15 assists from Draymond Green. The last two nights, he was the number one assist guy. Like, that's just amazing. I agree, but is, is that sustainable? Because it's not, they didn't elect, like, they, it's not like they changed their strategy and put Draymond Green at center. 
it's because Wiseman is out and so is Kevon Looney. Like, they don't have a true center on their roster right now. That's Draymond Green. I've watched the games. I think they're much better playing like this. So it's curious to see how – do you think it's sustainable from Draymond Green? It's not sustainable, obviously. 15 assists a game is not sustainable for anyone in the NBA at this point. It's not sustainable at 15, but I do think it's sustainable at at least 7.5 assists a game. At least up until, you know, if you have Draymond Green, he's a sell high at this point. Like, I would love to have Draymond Green on my team. I would love to trade for him, but is it sustainable? I don't know. I like Draymond as a sell high candidate. Was that new music? What just happened? Dude, I thought, I, thought I, was getting, like, I thought I was getting hunted from behind. I had to look, check my shoulder. I thought that was cold for me. I thought I was in Jumanji. Matt, where'd that music just come from? Dude, I literally felt like I teleported through my walls. Like, I, he was like, yeah. where am I? All right, let's get into some of our predictions here for this next segment. What do we got? What are we looking at for this upcoming week and beyond? think that Emmanuel Quickly's stock might take a hit with the arrival of Derrick Rose in New York, and that's definitely something to watch out. Currently, he's a decent option, and that could change very quickly depending on how that works itself out. It could change very what? It could change very quickly. Oh, nice, 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 nice. I saw you were trying to do that, Vince. At this current day and age, even with the Derrick Rose trade, Vince, would you consider the Knicks like an overrated team? They're not – like you don't think they're a playoff team? Like, do you think they're overrated, kind of like Michael Porter Jr.? Thank you for the transition, Michael. Yes, I do think Michael Porter Jr. is overrated. And I don't know if the Knicks are overrated because I don't know how much people are rating them, but I don't think that they're a playoff team. I think that Michael Porter Jr. was one of those cases similar to a TJ Warren or a Jamal Murray, or I guess even a Gary Trent Jr., even though Gary Trent has actually panned out, in that people really adjusted their expectations for what they saw in the bubble. And I never really thought he was that great of a player, at least for redraft leagues. He's a great pickup for Dynasty, but... People were pinning him as like a 20-point-a-game guy this year. And as you can see from the fact that the Nuggets just had Nikola Jokic put up 50 and then they lost the game, a lot of the depth on that team, which I guess was really helping Michael Porter Jr. stay efficient and get his get his buckets in, is just not there this year. And as a result, he's really struggling. I mean, he's been scoring under 10 points a game recently. He has bad efficiency. He's really not a good option to have on your fantasy team. And I think that my narrative that MP- MPJ is overrated is really coming into fruition here. Yeah, I also think Michael Porter Jr. is pretty overrated. He's a great player for an NBA team. I think he's a great young prospect, but I never really understood the hype around him, being that he doesn't really provide anything for your fantasy team other than points. Yes, he'll have games with with some with some steals, some blocks, but I don't think he's consistent enough to make him an exciting option. Even in a dynasty league for me, I don't my team doesn't really value points as much, so Michael Porter Jr. definitely wouldn't be someone I'd be targeting in the trade. Yeah, I was almost going to say that, like, I know he's been playing poorly lately, but I think a lot of people still have high value in him. And if you have him on your team, I would almost try to sell him while he still is, like, what is he, 97%? It's something, like, very high, like, much higher than I think it should be. Like, I feel like he was, like, as owned in leagues to start the season as, like, Gordon Hayward was, you know? I mean, I don't know. He, He missed a good chunk of time with that whole COVID-19 protocols, and then he came back, and he just hasn't been seeing consistent minutes. That's why he doesn't have consistent value. I think he's still a good fantasy option. He's averaging 1.1 steals. I would say if the person who has him doesn't value him as high because he's not playing well, in his last three games he saw 20 minutes, 20 minutes, then 34, putting up not really great stats, I'd say he's a buy low at this point. 
So, Vince, you're, you're on board with me saying he's kind of like a sell-high candidate at this point, and Mike, you thinking that he's a buy-low candidate? Depending on the owner who has him. Like, yeah. on, like in our specific you're saying, week, you're saying right now is probably his worst period of games, so if you want to trade for him, probably now would be the best time. Exactly, and you guys are saying his name is still as, as of value right now, even though the stats don't show it, so you should sell high and get out while you can because you guys think that he's only going to keep regressing. I don't think he's going to keep regressing. I just don't see the potential in fantasy. Like, like I guess he could score 30 points in one game, but it's just not consistent enough for me to warrant his bench position. He doesn't really do anything else other than score for me. Yeah, there really are just two kinds of owners in this situation. There's the one that, you know, we'll see a player that they really like before the draft, and we'll stick on to them. And when they're playing poorly, we'll just say that it's because of this or of that, and they'll continue to hold out hope for them. And in that case, if you're that kind of guy, I'd say to kind of adjust your expectations. But if you have a league where a guy gets a person that has him gets frustrated easily and says, like, oh, he's bad right now, he'll be bad for the rest of the season, then I could see him being a buy low candidate. If there's somebody that's like easily frustrated, like I know a guy we want to talk about after we're done with this is Chris Boucher, who's kind of a similar player for me in that respect. I mean, Chris Boucher was a waiver pickup. That's a little bit different. If you want to give a good parallel example, would be like me owning Kelly Oubre. Like, it didn't matter if someone was trying to trade me for him when he went 0 for 13. He was still staying on my team. I wasn't trading him. So I think in our situation, in our league, I, the owner who has Michael Porter Jr., his value of him still going to be high. There's no way that I would be able to trade for him. There's no way anyone would accept to trade for him because, again, it's going to be a ridiculous offer. But if someone has him and they're frustrated with him or whatever, I think if you can get him for a nice buy low, send him a like, low-end consistent option, it's definitely worth the risk, in my opinion. Hmm. Also provided if someone on that team gets hurt. Was it not in the in the in the bubble like Jamal Murray was hurt for a while? If someone on the team is hurt, you saw that he just became their main offensive player, right? Jamal Murray missed a lot of time in the bubble. Did he? Not in playoffs, but in the pre playoff oh. bubble, Jamal yeah. Murray missed a lot of time, and that's when the Michael Porter Jr. hype came about because he was one of their main offensive options like alongside Jokic. They were starting yeah, bowl. You mean that they didn't have a hurt team? I'm saying, like, I feel like they traded Jeremy Grant. Not traded, but they didn't re-sign Jeremy Grant, and they lost a couple of other pieces off their bench, and a big reason for that was to allow Michael Porter Jr. to shine, and he hasn't taken that step that I thought he should have made with the lack of depth that's on that team and the amount of opportunity that's there. Like, he's getting 26 minutes a game, and, like, he's not doing poorly, but I'm just saying, like, I think that, like, the amount that he's owned right now and the value that people place on him is just... No, I, I totally agree, but it's it's very hard when he has not seen consistent minutes in any single game. There's not one single game. He literally goes from 20 minutes to 35 to 28 to 25 to 19 to 20 to 20 to 34. Like, he's he not seen it. Why is that, Because though? of his inconsistent play. Because some days he'll be amazing and go off for a bunch of points, and it's like, okay, there's no point of taking him off the court. Like, if he's playing well, they're going to play him more. That's what I was kind of thinking, too. I thought the reason for that is because some days he's just – he also might, he might might be a fit thing, too. He's not, like, extremely fast, and so you can't really play him at the three guard for the most part. I'm sorry, at the small forward position. I just think if they have another powerful, like, Paul Millsap playing well or something like that, or he's playing poorly, they just don't want to play him as much. You think it's that versus the fact that Jokic is having an MVP season? Why would that make him not be on as much? I guess, because I, mean, I understand they play different positions, but I think that their style of play is affected by the fact that he missed a lot of time due to the health and safety protocols, and Jokic was getting 50 points a game, scoring in the 30s and 40s for that whole stretch. So you have to work around the players you're using, and if someone doesn't play for an extended period of time, I feel like that's like on the coaching and, and trying to get work that player back into their system. 
that they're yeah, currently using to win games. I think it might be more so the fact that Jokic is not a very strong defender, and neither is Michael Porter Jr. Maybe they're just saying, like, and I guess neither is Jamal Murray. So maybe they're just saying, to your point, Mike, that they don't need more offense at the expense of more defense on the court. That's a great point, and this is this would actually give credit to Giuseppe. Would you say that their best defender is Gary Harris? It is, but he's also the worst offensive player, too. Yeah, he actually is their best defender. It's actually a good segue. Mike, I don't know if you were doing this on purpose, but we got our next prediction, which is Joe Harris stuck to the moon with KD needing to be freed and looks like Kyrie didn't play the last game and, like, just a couple of players in that. It's like it looks like they're going to kind of mix around doing rest for their star players, seeing they don't need apparently all three of them in at any given point. I think Joe Harris had a great like week this past week, like four three-pointers a game, like almost 20 points a game. And, like, I literally think that, that can continue as they'll continue to rest one of their star guys on most nights for the rest of the season. I think just having that super team around him and having the option to play Joe Harris for an open three, like, on almost every play, only benefits Joe Harris. Like, he doesn't have to take any tough threes, any tough shots. Like, they're always going to KD, Irving, or Harden. And if Joe Harris is wide open, they're going to find him, especially having James Harden with the most assists in the league right now, passing to him, Kyrie Irving, a good passer. And KD actually is getting a few assists too, just because there's so many great offensive players on the team. You know, they just find the open guy. It really is a good example of, we always talked about, I'm really glad that we have Joe Harris now because over the off season, we would talk consistently about how some players will join a team or will have a team that is like more talented or has more good players in its roster and how that could help a player. That's kind of not a very intuitive concept that if a player's team gets better, then they could also have better fantasy output because the general concept is that players will perform more than more opportunity that they have. I think Joe Harris is like a good example of that. Like you could have a, you, your team could get better and it will let you be a better fantasy player. If you know, you're in a role similar to him or like, it's kind of like the Clay Thompson effect. Where in, like when they had KD, like he was never covered as much as he should have been for being as good as he was. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a good example of that of that concept and that theory. You want to talk about two teams that are kind of maybe overachieving at this point or kind of mid table in the league, but have a lot of fantasy relevant players that are being added dropped at this point, like Orlando Magic and the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, let's start with the Magic, because I actually was kind of making the point before this podcast episode about how I think that the Magic have, you know, always the 8 seed. They're always similar around there. And this year, right now, they have a lot of injuries in their team. And I checked their starting lineup for this game yesterday, and it was literally like their starting lineup was Cole Anthony, Nikola Vucevic, James Ennis, Gary Clark, and, like, Dwayne Bacon. And I was thinking, like, okay, like, there's obviously a lot of injuries here. Like, Jonathan Isaac's out. Marco Fultz is out. Aaron Gordon Gordon's out. It looks like Evan Fournier has been as well. So, like, four of their five starters have been injured. And who's going to step up? And that was something I wanted to talk about because I think that's, like, one of my predictions for the next week is that somebody on that Magic team has got to deliver consistent value. We said in a previous episode that, like, Cole Anthony's a must-add because he's got all that opportunity there. and He hasn't really been the guy so far. So do we think that it's going to be Cole Anthony that steps up on that team? Do we think that – somebody else is going to join fantasy moments alongside Vucevic because he can't put up 50 every night or 40 or whatever he's been doing to keep them relevant. There's no one there really pressing Cole Anthony for his job or for that spot in fantasy. So, yeah, he's definitely an addable option. He's not one of my favorite ones, but he gets the job done for sure. There's one player that I've liked that was that is a sophomore now, uh, Chuma Okiki from Auburn. He was drafted one pick after Sekou Dumbuya in 2019 draft, and 
I don't think he gets talked about it at all. So when I watched the Magic play a few games, I think he was very active and a pretty good option. He could shoot maybe a wide open three, and he got to the basket pretty well, um, along with being very active defensively. So especially in a dynasty league or a really deep league, like he's someone that you should keep an eye on. I wouldn't maybe pick him up yet, but keep an eye on him and his minutes and how they evolve throughout the season because I think that Steve Clifford is trusting him more and more throughout the season, or he will be trusting him more and more throughout the season. Mike, Giuseppe, I know you guys are pretty big proponents of Mo Bamba throughout the offseason, and he's kind of been reverted to that third-string center role. Do you see him having any sort of fantasy offense on the Magic, or do you think that he has to get traded or sign somewhere else for that to happen in the future? I don't think we've seen very many games after Aaron Gordon's gotten hurt. He had a severe ankle sprain. He's going to miss four to six weeks. I think that maybe Obama sees a, a bigger role because of that. I know center and power forward are at the same position, but if you look at the Magic team, like Dwayne Bacon's going to be getting three minutes a game. So, like, they have nobody on that team. So maybe maybe he sees an uptake in, in minutes, hopefully. But otherwise, yeah, if if not, if we don't see that within this week, yeah, he's not going to have relevance this year, unfortunately, unless Vucevic gets traded. Is Dwayne Bacon good? Because the last time I saw anything about him was when that reporter accidentally called him Dwayne Wade, and I think that was his rookie year. Is he, is he good? I mean, he's on the year he's putting up 9.8 points, three rebounds, one assist, almost a steal. So, no. Is he good by any means? No. I don't think that fantasy-wise he's a good option. But on given nights, he does put up double-digit points. It's like I'd probably say out of ten nights, seven of them he puts up double-digit points. Okay, so he's basically just Terrence Ross, so don't pick him up. I would rather have Terrence Ross, but yes, essentially. No, but back to Mo Bamba, he finally got some playing time. I think it might be a minute high for the season. He got 12 minutes, and he shot seven for eight. (laughs) with seven rebounds, three blocks, and 14 points. Like, in 12 minutes of game time, like, that's extremely impressive. He's definitely someone to look out for in your deep release. Yeah, maybe in Dynasty he might be worth a look. I kind of would need to see him put up those numbers or something like that against not the third-string unit of the Charlotte Hornets because his best competition would probably Bismack Biombo in that game. But we need to get Chagla coming out of Texas. Texas does produce good big men. I'd probably him on the waiver for your redraft leagues. And if you're in Dynasty or an 18-team format, then, yeah, he might be worth a look. First of all, in those 12 minutes, he played the entire fourth quarter. He did not see a single minute through the entire game. He played all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter. They were playing the Chicago Bulls, who were beating them by, like, 30 points the entire game. So, yes, he did have a great fourth quarter performance, got in a season-high 12 minutes. Yes, but that's because they, they virtually could not win the game. They tested it out. So maybe he earned himself more minutes in the rotation, but I don't think it's going to be anything significant anytime soon until Vucevic gets moved. But it does show that he was producing in its minutes, and hopefully that does help him get into the rotation early on in the game. Actually, so I, I know I want to talk about, like Mike brought up a while ago, we kind of went on a little detour here with Mo Bamba and with the Magic, but I did want to talk about Memphis as well because there's actually a lot of guys on our pickups list here, and I'm sure if you guys look in your leagues, a lot of guys have been getting picked up a lot lately. I've been Memphis Grizzlies players. I mean, if you look at a lot of the top added guys from this past week, and I'm assuming going into the next week, you have guys like Dylan Brooks, Brandon Clark, De'Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, basically everybody on that roster. Even Georgiou Dang has been getting added a lot, who's a career backup center who will get you 10 and 8, and like no matter where he's at. And I think that it's important to note that 
One of our predictions for this week is that I think it's important to note that a lot of these players that have been getting picked up a lot that are on Memphis are going to start losing a lot of their value and are going to start losing a lot of their fantasy relevance as this team gets more healthy. Mignonis Valanciunas just came back from injury a couple of days ago and immediately had an impact on that team. John Moran is slowly but surely bringing his way back to where he was at at the beginning of the season coming off of that ankle injury. And then Jaron Jackson has obviously been hurt for the entire year. And so with that big three in place, there's not as much value to go around for the rest of the guys. I know we touched on Dylan Brooks a little bit already. Now we're probably gonna talk. I know we're probably gonna talk about him a little bit more as we go through this episode. But he's a guy who, like, if you need your field goal to improve and you don't really need points or three pointers as much, like, he might even be got to drop. And there's a couple of these guys on the list that, like, I would say, like, having any out a lot. And if any of your team could even be a drawable player, even though they're not, they've been putting up like good value so far. So I just think that's gonna be like an important thing to note is like the context of why these players are playing so well. Are there any other predictions here that we want to get into? Seth Curry is a pretty decent by low candidate in a category-based league, considering he shoots very efficiently from the free throw line and from the field. He could shoot some threes and a few assists, maybe a steal a game, but he's not the most exciting. He definitely could be like your your one of your few guys on the back of your bench or a role player on one of your teams. Yeah, for sure. We've seen him come back from that sickness he had. I think he either had COVID or was just with somebody who did have it and he has been really slow coming back, so he's definitely a big buy low guy for me, at least. I mean, Seth Curry, if you look at it, he was owned in about 65% of leagues, which I think is pretty, pretty low. But we also have to consider that not all leagues are category-based leagues, so he maybe doesn't have the same value in a points league that he does in a category league. But having said that, his ownership dropped 15% in the last week from his play. So very obviously people are kind of down on Seth Curry at this point, and I think that you can get him at a really cheap price. Okay, awesome. So that probably rounds us out here in the predictions. There's a couple that we didn't get into very much. And again, just a reminder that they are down in the description as any that you want to see. For example, we didn't really talk about Chris Boucher too much. I know we talked about him a lot in previous episodes, how I think that he's like, as the season progresses, going to be an excellent, excellent guy to have for your fantasy team in the playoffs. And we didn't talk too much about a couple of these things here. But again, you can check out the description. But yeah, let's get into our potential pickups if nobody has anything else they want to bring up here. All right, so for our pickups, we just noticed that we've actually been recording for a pretty long time. We want to make this episode too long, so we're going to make sure to get these pickups to you right quick. We're going to snap them off real quick. Each of us is going to bring up kind of one or two guys that we want to talk about here that you should be picking up. We're not really going to debate it too much. We're just going to kind of, everybody's going to kind of give their their players of the week. And I guess next episode, we'll come back to it and see if we were right about that, and we'll add some more pickups to that list as well. But I want to go last here. Uh, there's a couple of guys that I really want to make sure get talked about. So, who wants to start us off? I'll start us off with a center, one of my favorite positions in fantasy basketball. But Jakob Pertl, when he gets opportunity playing for the Spurs, he's very efficient from the field, gets almost 10 rebounds, and gets a ton of blocks. So, he's a very good blocks field goal percentage streamer. But big warning on Jakob Pertl, he's a very poor free throw shooter. So, that's a close category for you. Maybe stay away from him, but if you're tanking it or have a really good free throw shooting team, I think you can handle it because he doesn't take very many free throws throughout the game. And also, considering the Marcus Aldridge injury gives him just that much more playing time. Matt, Mike? My two pickups for the week would have to be Justin Holiday, Derek White. Justin Holiday in particular, he's playing extremely well. I think for me, I think I have three that I would consider potential pickups this week. And... It's mainly due to injuries. With George Hill missing time, I think it's finally time that we're all ready to Hamadou it and pick up Hamadou Diallo. 
I think in the past 10 games, he has put up double-digit points, flirting with a double-double in, in, in a few of those. And then with Karis LeVert, I think he did return to practice, but he's still set to miss around four weeks. I would say Jeremy Lamb is probably the better option to Justin Holiday, only because he has more consistent defensive stats. And then I'd also take a look at someone like Desmond Bain. I know we talked about Memphis Grizzlies team having a lot of people that were, were picking up and are being picked up and being dropped, cycled in and out. I just think he's a more efficient option to Dylan Brooks, and he's seeing a more increased role, and I think he just fits better with the team based on watching. And I think in his last five, six games, he's put up double-digit points. So, again, I think just those three players are someone to consider for this week. Yeah, Mike, I kind of agree with you there, where I think that if you're going to take a guy who's similar to Justin Holiday, I think that Jeremy Lamb, if he's available, is probably a better pickup only in the sense that I've had Justin Holiday in a couple of fantasy teams before in the past, and he does have these games where he'll just go off and then a bunch of people pick him up, and then he just goes back to being like a 13, 14-point a game on 40% shooting. And so he's kind of what you can get out of a lot of other players we've already talked about, like guys like Dylan Brooks, guys like Terrence Ross. Even a guy like Dwayne Bacon might like be like close to as good of an option just with the opportunity he's getting. But two guys that I really want to touch on here. I think one that I'm not actually sure if we've already talked about him briefly, that TJ McConnell, if he's available in your league, is an excellent streaming option. I know Giuseppe's always harping on how great this guy is and as a steals leader, as a assist guy. You know, he gets six, seven assists a game with the potential to get 12 sometimes on, on rare nights. And he gets over two steals a game. He's basically the new Chris Dunn except he's been doing it for about 15 games and not two years. But if you can keep this production, this level of production, then he's going to be a great streamer for you if you're looking to win assists or steals in any of your leagues. And the guy's really not very highly owned, and he's starting to get picked up more, but he's still just really low owned in fantasy. And then the main guy that I want to talk about here, and this kind of I kind of want to package two guys in here. But there's two players I think you should really be riding the wave on, and that is Anthony Edwards and Eric Gordon. I think these two guys are on teams that, well, one, these two guys have had a, a hot streak this past week, and two, there's been some opportunities that have opened up as a result of injuries. You look at Houston, as more players get hurt and as, as that team regresses more and more, Eric Gordon really just picks it up as a, as a ball handler and has been getting almost 20 points a game recently. And with the injury of Christian Wood and Virgil really not having a very smooth adjustment onto this team, I think Eric would be a great guy to be looking towards. And then at the end of words, we've made a lot of jokes in the pod about how he's a very inefficient scorer about how Mike wants to start an Anthony Edwards hate club. And we've just been giving you know a lot of flack towards Anthony Edwards and to the Minnesota Timberwolves in general. But with Anthony Edwards, you, we've seen him step in a starting lineup in this past week and a half and with a couple of injuries on that team and then just with them kind of seeing that they're more in that tanking mode and not tanking, but they're more like out of the playoffs mode and just giving the young guys minutes. And he's really responded to that. This past game, he put up 20 on 50% shooting. And these past few games, he's been shooting a lot more efficiently. And it could be a fluke that's very well possible, and I know that that'll be argued by a lot of people, and that could be the case, and that's actually probably likely the case. But as for now, it could be you know kind of similar to Lamelo Ball. How Lamelo entered that hard corner starting lineup and really just got a lot more consistent, had a lot more like just more consistent expectations on him, has just been responding to that with more confidence in his shot. And if that's the case, Anthony Edwards, he's a long-term pickup, but at least for now, if you want points and you can risk a little bit of field percentage, and he's probably a solid pickup for your team at this point. In his last four games, so last seven days is the last four games, he's shooting 39% field goal and 66% from free throw. I, I don't see how he's getting any more efficient. This is directly a result of the fact that he's getting a little bit more minutes and he's putting up 14 points a game. No player that we're, we're recommending to pick up off waivers is, is, they're all averaging double-digit points for the most part, but none of them are this inefficient. 
I'm not saying to add Anthony Edwards. I, I would not consider that. He had 120 points per game performance. I don't want people to get blinded by that and, and think that he's a worthwhile add. I think he's a negative asset, as Giuseppe and Matt would like to say. He is a Ricky Rubio. He he is a Terrence Ross negative asset. Anthony Edwards has shot around 50% half of his games the last seven, eight games. And he had a game where he went three for 14 and got nine points. And, like, that's terrible. And you'll get those sometimes with Anthony Edwards, and you have to live through those. But he's not a 39% shooter lately. He had a game where he shot 20%. Okay, but what Mike's I, saying is, unfortunately, we can't pick out the games that he plays bad. So you're going to play him throughout those but games. But every player – I'm saying, good. like, you can't just go his last – I'm saying using it such a small sample size as his last, his last four games and saying, like, he – like, and then using percentages for those, it just – it gets rid of the bigger picture. Like, the bigger picture is that since he joined the starting lineup about seven, eight games ago, he's been a lot more efficient. The point I'm trying to make, and the same reason why Buddy Heald was starting to become a negative asset on my team was, come a Sunday night, if I'm barely, like, I was barely winning field goal against Giuseppe. If I have a player come in on Sunday night and shoot two for 13, because he's getting more minutes now, and he is a rookie, and I understand he's working through his inefficiencies, but provided, with, with the opportunity of getting 30 minutes a game, also provides opportunity to shoot two for 13. That's huge. That's a huge concept that I don't think a lot of people understand. It's like, when people are getting more minutes, they have more volatile stats, along with like when it comes to the stats that are could potentially be negative when it comes to free throw, field goal, and also turnovers. Anthony Edwards is a rookie. I feel like he has a higher chance of seeing more inefficiencies than Ubre, like being inefficient. I gotcha. think there's a higher chance of that. I, it's the gotcha. same thing with like Buddy Heald and why we talked about how Buddy Heald was better coming off the bench just because you said he's shooting less shots. So even if he does have a bad game, it doesn't hurt you as much. He's only putting up a few less points. Someone in our fantasy league almost lost their matchup because Buddy Heald shot one for 11 on Saturday. He barely won, didn't he? Yeah. See, I actually, that's interesting because I see it, when I see a rookie that's inefficient versus a guy who's like, you know, Buddy Heald's 27, I think, and Kelly Oubre's like 24 or 25. Like I see the rookie, rookie doing it. I'm like, oh, okay, like, that's expected rookie. As the season goes on, they'll get better. Positioning, you see, like, you're like, oh, like, because they're a rookie, there's a higher chance that it continues to go versus, like, a, a veteran. Well, guys, that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast. And if you are a fan of players that you don't hear being talked about on many other podcasts or many other talk shows in general, then you really probably like this one a lot. I know this one was fun for me. We got to talk about some players that, like, I, I don't know where else you're going to hear a debate about Patrick Williams and about his opportunities or about, you know, how good Alfred Payton is. But if you did enjoy this style of video and you do like hearing these takes on these players and getting that real in-depth look into your fantasy team, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast below so you can get notified for future episodes. If you want to interact with us, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, you can do so through DM on Twitter uh, or Instagram, Twitter being at flashy stats pod and Instagram being at flashy stats fantasy sports. You could also email us on flashy stats pod at gmail.com just to hit us with, like I mentioned, any constructive criticism, any episode ideas, any players, teams, conferences you want us to discuss, things of that nature. But yeah, this upcoming week, as I mentioned, we're going to be doing a pretty similar episode of this one, just kind of updating it for the week ahead. And this is going to be pretty much our format for the season going forward, unless something changes or there's big news or something like that. And that's pretty much it today, guys. We really hope you enjoyed this one. And as always, 
This has been the Flashy Stats Fantasy Podcast, where it's not just about the numbers. Thank <laughs> you.